tuned into the greatest. You are now tuned into the greatest. Oh, 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 oh my God. It's the Fearless Podcast with Arian Simone. Welcome to another episode of the Fearless Podcast. I am your host, Siobhan Jones, and I am so excited to have another dynamic woman here with me today. Her name is Kimberly Cook. She is a divorce and family law attorney. Kimberly, welcome to the Fearless Podcast. How are you? Thank you. I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited to be here, excited to get into this topic. So thank you very much for having me on today. You are more than welcome. Can you please kind of just give our listeners an introduction, almost like a short little bio of who you are and what you do? Sure. So um, I am a divorce and family law attorney with a law firm of Schiller, Ducanto, and Fleck in Chicago, Illinois, which happens to be the largest family law firm in the country. Um, I have been a partner now with the firm for, I guess, about five years. Time flies. (laughs) Um, And my focus area deals with what I'll call the the premarital stage. So all things related to say prenuptial agreements and a little bit of marriage planning, then into divorce and family matters. So that's support, custody, um, the actual divorce process, and then as well as things that kind of flow after a divorce. So whether that's um, post-divorce litigation or parenting matters. So anything kind of under that umbrella of marriage and family law, that's where you find me. I um, am particularly interested in um, representing Black women, given that I'm, I'm a Black woman, and making sure that our voices are heard and supported um, during this, what can be a very challenging process. Absolutely, absolutely. And so that, I'm so excited to dive into this conversation around, um, and the topic for today is critical conversations, discussions women should have before they get married. And I'm excited because I'm not married, (laughs) but (laughs) I want to have these discussions and I know other women do, Um, especially from the, from the standpoint of, we deal with a lot of women who are entrepreneurs. And so really just getting a handle on your finances, what that looks like the, you know, like you said, pre-marriage and getting up to that stage. I know, you know, during COVID, I see so many people talking about marriage, so many proposals are happening. (laughs) (laughs) And I just came back from a bachelorette weekend um, and we actually had a discussion around um, a prenup. And so that's the first thing I want to get into because as an entrepreneur, a lot of times people think that, okay, well, only famous people can get past prenups. You know, I don't have a lot of money, so I don't need a prenup. Can you kind of explain what that is? Sure, sure. And you know, that is the biggest misconception that the ultra wealthy are the only people who need a prenup. So from my perspective, a prenup is what you need to consider in the same way that you consider life insurance or auto insurance. It's not designed to um, ensure that something bad will happen, but it's certainly going to protect you if it does. So with that as the framework, especially for business owners, entrepreneurs, you're coming into a relationship and you have to look at that relationship as a business partnership. I know that's not a sexy way of thinking about it, 
but that's the legal way to think about it. And at the time of the divorce, that's what we as divorce attorneys in the court, that's how we're going to look at it. So you're entering into this new partnership and what are you bringing to the partnership? And if you're bringing into the partnership, your business interest, what impact will that have once you're married and all of the nuances that, that are related to that? If you are not um, an entrepreneur or have a business interest, but you have income, you have other assets, those are the things that you know, you're coming into the marriage with. And so at a minimum, you want to make sure that if something were to happen, I'm at least leaving with that. But one of the big areas that people often overlook is the idea of debt. You could come into a marriage without any debt and you can be marrying someone who has a ton of debt. Now, while there certainly are laws that allow for and have some limits as far as, you know, you didn't come into the marriage with this debt, I wouldn't risk that. And so you want to be very mindful of certain things because once you get married, creditors are gonna start looking at you on some level of responsibility. So it's so important. It's so important that you have a good conversation with your fiance about what your income is, what their income is, what your assets, are you a spender? Are you a saver? You know, you got to put those things on the table. And I will tell you during a prenup process, the disclosure process is the fundamental part of the actual pre prenuptial agreement. So everything has to be laid bare on the table. And most cases, that is the first time that someone actually knows really what the other person has. Yeah. Most of the well, time people aren't most, having these conversations. Not at all. Not because they're hard conversations yeah. to have. You know, it's hard to sit over dinner and say, so how much are you making again? Or, you know, what's your debt? It, that's a hard conversation to kind of come out and expose. And I put that in quotes, expose everything on yeah. the table. And so, you know, even though you're intending to start a life with this person, a lot of times people are either ashamed or they're nervous, or you know they have misconceptions about how much a person is actually making based on what they're spending, but they don't know how they're paying for those things. So uh, during the prenup process, you can't hide behind it. You have to lay, lay everything out on the table. And I think that's a huge benefit because if you don't during that process, then certainly later on, either there could be a challenge to the prenup or you're kind of waiving what you didn't know. So it's a really powerful tool because at a minimum, at least you know what you're getting into. It's all about an informed decision. I love that because that's a different way to look at it because so many people, you know, look at it as if, okay, well, I don't, you know, I don't have a whole lot of money. So I'm not, you know, I'm, I don't need to have a prenup. And it's such like a negative um, connotation to it that people don't look at it as, oh, this could be beneficial to, you know, to, to the marriage. I think it's, you know, it's been a taboo for so long, but it has also been, you know, historically thought of as only very rich people have something to protect. And I say to people all the time, again, you know, if you own something, if you are an influencer, if you have a job, 
the best thing that you can do is at least go in and sit down with a divorce attorney and say, listen, I've just got a couple questions. Here's what I have. What are your thoughts? Can you walk me through the process? Because at least you're then able to make an informed decision, but kind of relying on the, it doesn't apply to me or that's never going to happen is how people really end up being burned in the long run. If nothing else, you at least go, you get the information. And if you decide, yep, this isn't, you know, for me, or this isn't what we need, then okay, no harm, no foul, but you're better off going and getting the information than not. Right. I got you. That makes so much sense. Um, so my next question is as, you know, as a business owner, do you find it kind of, I guess, trying to protect your business? Like what are some conversations or some things you maybe should be doing to ensure that you are, you know, protecting your business, that you are planning correctly um, before you're entering into a marriage outside of, you know, just the, the prenup? What are some of those things that you should be doing and having in place so that when you go into a marriage that you're fully prepared and, um, you know, you have things in place? Sure. So as a business owner, you should already have certain documents in place, but a lot of people actually don't, right? So, you know, you want to make sure that you have your organizational documents filed with, you know, either your secretaries of state or um, your corporate counsel, because it's going to be important that you can establish that that business was owned prior to the marriage, especially if you don't have a prenuptial agreement. So you want to make sure those things are in place. You want to make sure that your tax returns, both on the business and the personal side, depending on the type of entity that you have, Again, those things should be flush, they should be up to date, and you shouldn't have any outstanding kind of tax issues or obligations. You want to come into the marriage with all your I's dotted and your T's crossed as it relates to your business. You also want to be very clear as to how business expenses are paid, how you're paid from the business and making sure that you can certainly line out the difference between business and personal. Well, that's if, there's any, if there's any kind of, um, you know, what I'll call kind of questions or you're not able to clearly kind of show this is on the business side or this is on the personal side, get that stuff cleaned up before you get married. Because what happens is when people get married, they get comfortable and they just kind of fall into old habits and routines. And then again, from my side, you come to me as a divorce attorney and I start asking questions about the lifestyle that was established during the marriage. And if I can't identify the difference between the business expenses and the personal expenses and what was established when, that then causes a lot more pro problems than necessary. That's so good that stuff done. I think a lot of people, I don't want to say a lot of people, maybe in the beginning, I know when I'm scrolling on social media, I hear conversations around making sure that you separate, you know, your personal finances from your business finance. I don't think that people always do that, a good job of that, especially in the beginning when they're starting their business. So it's good to hear mm -hmm. that something they need to like get on top of from the beginning. Um, yeah, I, I, I can't, I can't stress that enough, especially if, you know, you're newly engaged or you're dating somebody seriously and you're also starting a new business, you know, there's so many 
you know, whether it's an Excel spreadsheet, whether it's an app, whether you've got a girlfriend who is, you know, an accountant, have somebody kind of help you parse those things out so it's very clean and you can track the difference between the two. It's so, so important, especially as you're going into a marriage, that you are able to really itemize this is on the business side and this is on the personal side you're no longer kind of the individual entity once you get married you're now again forming a separate partnership that partnership being marriage and so you want to make sure that your actual business is separated out from your new partnership as in your marriage keep those things very clean gotcha so you don't I guess maybe in my naive mind, you don't, <laughs> the business doesn't automatically become, you know, it's both of your businesses now because you got married. It's still, it's separated. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So you have to be very careful. And this is why it's important to have your documents in order. Every state is very different. And so when you are getting engaged or talking about marriage, and if you're a business owner, or if you were thinking about starting a business, you certainly want to speak with either a corporate attorney, as far as the business formation, depending on what type of business that you're setting up, um, as well as then a, a divorce or family attorney to ask about how the laws in your state see a business interest that was started before the marriage or started after the marriage because there can be differences. So no, it's not a naive question. You've got to be very clear about timing of when the business started and, and started means kind of formed and not necessarily when it started generating money. Because as we all know, businesses, you know, may take years yeah. before they actually start, you know, right. seeing a return. Right. Um, and being profitable. But if you can establish that, look, I started this business before I was married. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, after the marriage, here's kind of what happened. Here's the money that went into the business. Here's the work that went into the business. Those are the things that, that a divorce attorney like me is going to be looking at when we talk about ownership rights and interest and value of the business at the time of a divorce. Gotcha. And I just want to make it clear. We're not saying you and hubby can't be business partners and your oh, businesses can't merge. Like that, exactly. is <laughs> that is not what I'm saying. You're so right. So thank yeah. you for saying that. No, that's very true. And here's the thing, you know, there are a lot of couples who start a business together mm -hmm. before they get married. And that's, right. that's very common. But what I would say to that as well, make sure you have your documents in order right? So make sure that your organizational documents, your registration documents are all in order and don't just kind of assume, well, you know, my fiance put my name on the paperwork. Make sure that your name is on the paperwork. Oh, they signed on my behalf. No, make sure that you read and you understand what you're signing. You should be doing that anyway, mm -hmm. you know, as far as good business practices. But a lot of times when we're dating people, love clouds our judgment. Right. Don't let it. It's hard. But that's why it's really important to work with a good support team. So whether that's a corporate attorney, an accountant, a family law attorney, that can help you stay on the, on the right path. 
So you just brought up a good point. It made me kind of think a little bit. So if I started a business before we got married, so we're just mm -hmm. dating and we decided to start this business. Um, but either one, we never get married or two, we split. What does that look <laughs> like for our business? Cause that's something like that can be messy. <laughs> it can be messy. It can be messy for a whole host of reasons. So you start the business together and then you break up, right? So you never got married or, um, you know, there could be corporate, you know, litigation or an issue regarding corporate structure, assuming that the business then unwinds mm -hmm. or you started a business before, uh, you get married and then you get married and then all of a sudden, you know, the business falls apart and your marriage falls apart. What happens then? These things can get messy, which it's all about the work up to that. And that's why, again, I, I hate to sound kind of like a, you know, beating a dead horse, but that's why it's so important to get your documentation in order to make sure that you can, you know, trace out from point A to point B. And even if, you put all that stuff in place and you put it in a binder that's in your closet that you don't ever touch, fine, but you know that it's there in the event that you need it. So I'd rather you do the work up front and never need it than to not have done and have certain securities and things in place and then you do need it and it's a real problem. Yeah, I think that's pretty much what I've gotten from the conversation so far is to just <laughs> do the work up front do it just as you would for any business or any kind of just do the work up front because you you know you may not end up needing it but it's it's still good business practice to have yep. it just in case just in case i'm yeah. all about the safety net and you know doing doing what you need to do up front to protect yeah. yourself just in case life happens things right. happen absolutely and so what are some other topics that I think that women, maybe we don't talk about or we don't think about before we get married um, that definitely needs to be highlighted. Sure. So, you know, one of the things that I think <clears throat> nobody talks about, right? It's just kind of, um, there's an assumption here is, you know, do we really want children? And by oh. we, do I really want children? Does my fiance, really want children and that's a, and that's a very hard question yeah people to ask and accept the answer because here's the thing there's a real sense especially for women that if you say i don't want children that there's something wrong with you but newsflash not every woman right. wants to be a mother and that's okay Mm -hmm. But you have to be upfront about that yes. and own that decision. The same is true on the flip side. If you know you want children, be honest about that and be open about that. And, and don't, I'm not saying that on the first date in the first 10 minutes, you have to say, listen, I'm trying to have kids. And if you're not trying to have kids, we can't, <laughs> right, you know, right. that's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that, you know, by date three, date four, you should in some way be able to express, you know, that, yeah, I, I like family and what that looks like. Because what I, what happens is people get married and then all of a sudden it's, 
when are we going to have kids and feelings start to get hurt when it's, well, I don't want kids. I, I didn't, I mean, I, or I don't want kids right now. Well, when do you? And these are things that should have been conversations that should have been had a long time ago. But an even higher level than that is what are the expectations once we have children about who will work and who's not going to work? I find that a lot of people don't have the conversation about whether or not they want to continue to work once they have a child or whether their soon-to-be spouse has an expectation that they want that person to, to continue to work after children or not. And a lot of that stems from how you were raised or right. what you see for yourself or, you know, I've had a lot of, of people come in my office and say, you know, I never wanted to be a, you know, a career woman. My mom stayed at home. This is the life that I wanted, but I didn't feel like my spouse gave me that choice or option. I was, I, I didn't want to say that. I've had the flip side too, where it's, I was pressured or I felt pressured to stay at home, even though I wanted to go back to work. So having the conversation of one, do I want children? And if we do, then what does that look like? It's a hard conversation to have. And I know for a lot of people, they feel like it's very premature to have that in early stages, but it is certainly something that can make all the difference if you don't talk about it. Oh, I completely agree. I think that a lot of the things that you're bringing up are thing, you have to have these conversations as you're moving towards marriage. Um, because if you don't, you kind of open yourself up for that hurt, you know, for things to kind of be out of place. I think back to the real um, co-host, Jeannie May, and, yes. and her husband, who I guess when they first got married, they decided that they did, they, both of them did not want children. Yes. Um, yes. And the thing about it is, you know, everyone's entitled to change their minds. And so, you know, no one's at fault, but I also think that they're, I wonder what that conversation, you know, looks ongoing like. conversation had looked like, you know, yes. before getting to that point that they, you know, that they were at, cause I'm sure, you know, her mind didn't change and I'm sure he didn't come to that decision overnight. And right. so the ongoing communication, like you mentioned, is so necessary. It's absolutely necessary. And that's right. Don't get me wrong. Like, you know life happens, people change, but I'll say this, don't go into the relationship convinced that the other person is going to change their mind, Absolutely. right? Only an individual can change their mind. So if you are not being honest about whether or not you want something or you have an expectation of something on the premise that, oh, they will change their mind, you're setting yourself up for failure and a lifetime of heartache and disappointment. People will only change themselves. You cannot make them change. Ooh, and that's so, a word, Kimberly. That's a word. <laughs> it's, it's so it's so important. It it is it's really really important to have that that conversation. Um, you know, I certainly say children, of course, is the top of the list of you know before you get married or in that dating stage, you should ask about. Um, about children. But on the finance side, mm -hmm. you need to have a real conversation about whether you're a spender or a saver 
and whether your fiance is a spender or a saver. Whether or not you decide to get a prenup or not, you should know, right? And, and by spender, by spender, you know, you should be honest with yourself. If you're someone who says, look, I believe, and again, no judgment, but if you're a person who says, you know, life is for living. And so, you know, I work to spend. I'm not really concerned about setting up a retirement or having an emergency fund. That's okay if that's how you live. But be honest about that. Mm -hmm. Because when you, again, are getting ready to be married and you're marrying somebody who may not be on that same page, you got to know that. Because if you're marrying somebody who is a, you know, a saver and has very different feelings about money and expenses and, you know, you're, you're dealing with potentially a disconnect that over time starts to have budding resentment mm -hmm. and friction and tension and mistrust and all the things that get you to my office. Yeah. And so if we kind of reverse course and have the conversation of this is this is where I'm at right I'm a spender can we come up with a plan so that you know my quote needs are met my interests are met as far as me feeling like I could spend what I spend but we're also mindful that you want to save mm -hmm. and let's come up with a happy medium it's worth it it's worth having that conversation about that and and the same on the other, you know, the shoes certainly on the other foot. If you're the saver and you're dating somebody who's a spender, you can't ignore that for very long. Cause I can promise you that, you know, while they're out, you know, buying, you know, every purse or every new shoe and you are freaking out because, you know, you don't have a six month emergency fund that starts to build budding resentment. So you, right. you want to make sure that you have those conversations as well. Absolutely. And having those conversations around, um, I want to talk about the emergency fund that you just brought up. Mm -hmm. Because I think now that we are like during COVID, I think I've had this conversation <laughs> more, <laughs> more often than not, um, especially like for families, like, okay, how much should our emergency fund have for our family? Like, is there a rule of thumb? Is there a, something we should be living by? <laughs> well, you know, so here's the, the interesting thing. Um, certainly, I, I come from this from the perspective of a divorce attorney and, and somebody who um, works with clients at the very beginning stages of a divorce to figure out what your baseline is. And by baseline, I'm talking about what's your income and what are your absolute necessary expenses, right? That have to be covered every month. Mm -hmm. So if you come at it from that perspective, right? If you come at it from a, these are the bare minimum expenses that we have each month to keep the, you know, the lights on, to keep a roof over our head, to keep, you know, food in the refrigerator, then I think realistically building from that premise and then looking at here is what my income is and here is what my spouse's income is. Now, what would happen if I lost my job? 
how long could we manage on my spouse's income? Or what happens if, you know, my spouse loses their job? So I think from there, then you say, okay, let's try to have at least six months. Ideally, if you can get to a year, but most people can't save that number for a year, but certainly six months, because the idea is on, for, in six months, you should hopefully be able to get, you know, a new job or something yeah. um, during that time. So ideally six months of this is what we need to at least cover, you know, our expenses at a bare minimum. And I mean, bare minimum. I don't mean the lease on your car. I don't mean, unless you absolutely have to have, you know, the, the car lease that you have, cause that's the only, you know, transportation that your family has. Okay. But you have to really take a hard line and a hard look at what your expenses at a bare minimum are to keep and then build from there. Oh, well, I think I've been going about this wrong because I have been trying to build like off of all of my bills, like every, I mean, everything, car included, uh, everything. <laughs> but, but that's not a bad thing. And I'll tell you why, because you've at least built in some cushion. But, yeah. Because here's the thing, what I'm talking about is this is the bare minimum to make sure that we are okay. Right. right. So, so if your bare minimum, let's just use say round numbers, right? So if you know that your bare minimum, as far as to cover expenses each month is like $4,000 a month, right? If you know that, then if you're saving, say well above that, because all of the other stuff has been added in, then you're fine. What I'm talking about is, you know, if you know that your rent or your mortgage alone is, you know, $2,000 a month and you only have, you know, $1,000 in emergency fund, right. well, that's not going to get you through month one. So you actually are doing well in saying, all right, let me just, let me cover the whole, yeah. you know, kit and caboodle because the chances are if you were to lose your job, if something were to happen, you're likely going to cut back on other things anyway, but you've already built in this cushion based on the, you know, what your actual other expenses are. Gotcha. Gotcha. Would, and that's really good advice. Would you have any specific advice around that for um, entrepreneurs? Because I know that it can look completely different. Um, you know, month to month can look different. Um, day to day could look different. So <laughs> any, any specific advice around, you know, around entrepreneurs really having that emergency fund? Sure. I think, you know, it's, I think it's worth, if you are an entrepreneur, I think it's certainly worth spending some money to meet with a financial advisor or an accountant to help you kind of figure out what your, um, what your exposure is mm -hmm. one on, you know, in case of emergency, right? So what are those, again, what I'm going to call the baseline expenses that I need to cover. Um, but then two, depending on your business model, you might have some other considerations that you have to have to look out for. So, you know, if you have a business model that is built on, um, you know, 
customers paying for a certain service and then boom we've got covid that hit and all of a sudden you've got customers who are saying i can't afford to pay you or i can't do this what does that happen to your reserve and your bottom line so i think a part of being an entrepreneur and and kind of being prepared in on some level for emergencies i think it's worth spending the money to at least work with somebody at the outset or at whatever stage you are to say hey can you take a look at my books and my numbers and help me kind of figure out you know an emergency plan because you're right things change from month to month for most entrepreneurs mm -hmm. And so they, they may not necessarily have a baseline, but you can certainly work with somebody to help establish that. I'm a big fan, as you can tell, of you know finding people yeah. to help you figure out what's best for you. I, I think it's so important to be informed. I, I think that's how we empower ourselves. I completely agree. And I think that's kind of where we go wrong because we assume a lot of things. <laughs> Yeah. and don't um you know we aren't in we don't inform like factually inform ourselves it even goes back to what you were saying about you know if we start a business together you know making sure that your name is actually on the business um because we assume like oh okay well we started it together it doesn't necessarily mean that you're you know that your name is on it um you know alternatively speaking if we buy a house together i remember my grandmother always saying make sure your name is on the deed <laughs> you know? yeah. thank you grandma yeah, so. yes listen our elders know things yeah and, you know they know because they have seen and life lessons i can't tell you the number of times that i get a call when somebody says you know my you know boyfriend or girlfriend we're dating and um you know we're gonna buy a house together and every hair in the back of my neck <laughs> stands up and and i and, and i get very nervous about that because i tell people all the time listen i am really happy for you but here's the deal before you jump out here and buy a house with somebody that you're dating go speak with a real estate attorney yeah. understand your rights your responsibilities your obligations in the event that y'all break up or in the event that somebody doesn't pay the mortgage because they lost their job or they you know you got in a fight today and they, it is critically important when you are taking on that type of a debt or if you are fortunate enough to be able to buy it out and cash outright it is so so important to make sure that you have the paperwork to back up that transaction and all of the information we cannot assume that is how we hurt ourselves in the long run. We really have to be smart about things. Absolutely. And, I, and honestly, before having that conversation, I would not have known, you know, I, you just assume like, oh, we're purchasing this together. You know, yeah. my, my, and this was years ago, but I didn't even think like on oh, the deed, like what? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I, as I've gotten older, I'm like, oh, I, now I understand what she was, you know, what she was talking about. I think a lot of it has to do with we don't think about things as being um a legal decision yeah right like we are not wired most people are not wired to think about 
you know, oh, I'm buying a house that could end up being an issue. So let me make sure that I've got everything. Oh, we're, I'm starting a business, you know, with my friends or, you know, my boyfriend or my girlfriend and let me make sure. And so because we're not wired that way, I think people are inherently trusting Yeah. and, you know, and so you just kind of go with the excitement of it and, and, and only until someone gets burned, right? Uh, does it then become a, an issue like, well, why didn't I do that? Or what was I thinking? Right. But I think that's why it's important for us to have these conversations. That's why I think it's important for, you know, podcasts like this to shine the light on how important it is to do these types of things because whether it's us individually or whether it's a girlfriend or your sister or your, you know, cousin who then says to you, oh yeah, you know, I'm gonna buy a house. And in your case, your grandmother's saying, well, make sure your name is on the deed. This is how we support one another and look right. out for one another by sharing the information that, you know, hey, before you do that, you know, talk to somebody or at least make sure that, you know, you see what you're signing. Right. That's how we look out for each other. I love that. This conversation has been so good because <laughs> it's things that we don't necessarily talk about. You know, we think about mar getting married. We're happy and we, yes. we're having all these happy emotions. No one wants to think about, and I th think about what if, what if this goes wrong? But I think what I have gathered from this conversation, honestly, it's not even about it going wrong. It's just about making sure that things are in place because you just never know That's right. what could happen. I mean, who it's, knew that COVID would come? And exactly. That's right. I mean, look, it's, it's not as life happens, mm -hmm. right? And so whether it's a divorce, whether it's somebody dies, I, I mean, life happens. And so it's really about making plans, putting things in place to protect yourself, your family, your legacy in whatever way that you can but you can't do that without having the information, without making informed decisions. So yes, it's critically important that in order for us to protect ourselves, we have to do the work up front. And by doing the work, it's asking the questions, knowing the information, and then going from there. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I, I mean, we're coming to the end of this episode, but. I want to ask you, is there any words of advice, any information that you would want to leave, you know, leave someone who's listening um, with as they kind of, you know, get to the end and something you just want to drop, just drop in their spirits for them to. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, you know, life is exciting. Life is exciting and we should live you know, in such a way that we are excited about all the things that are to come. And I think it is so, so um, important in today's day and age that those things that we work hard to achieve, that we do what we can to protect them for our family, for our future children. And so what I would just say is this is such an exciting time. It's an important time. And don't take this lightly. So do what you can to protect yourself. Get all the information that you need to empower yourself to live your very best life. And by that, you've got to have the information to do it. So I, I thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate you very much. 
And, you know, for um, listeners who want to know a little bit more about me, what I do, and maybe get inspired, you can follow me on Instagram at Grown Girl Divorce. That's the platform by which I, I operate um, and try to motivate and inspire those ind individuals who are in the premarital phase, those going through a divorce, and those maybe even, you know, after a divorce. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you coming on. I know that this conversation is really going to be enlightening um, for, <laughs> for, a, for a lot of people, um, but we are at the end. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Fearless Podcast. Until next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Fearless Podcast with Ari and Simone. Subscribe to the podcast and leave a five-star review.